Welcome to Her Life, wisdom and tips for every woman. I'm your host, Emily Rogers. Life is often characterized by seasons of transition and self-discovery. This series is about sharing stories, experiences, wisdom and practical tips for women no matter where they are or what they're doing right now. We will hear from extraordinary women who have walked different paths and emerged with insights and inspiration to share. Let's dive in. So welcome to this next episode of Her Life. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce you today to Katie McPhee. I've been following Katie on Instagram and LinkedIn for some time and the way she talks really, really communicates with me, connects with me, but really spins my wheels as well. So I'm so excited to have you here, Katie. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So Katie spent 18 years of her career in tech and biotech, working her way up to EVP sales. She sold heaps of products to different markets. She got new brands and technologies going. She built a commercial organization from scratch. She scaled hyper-growth teams. She achieved nine-digit growth in two years. Despite the success, Katie struggled with her transition from manager to director and to VP, and even questioned if she was quite cut out to be senior executive. Finally, Katie figured it out. A light went on. She had the confidence, knowledge, and skills she needed to be an impactful leader, and she's on a mission to help others get there by sharing what she's learned. She's got really great advice and she shares this through her coaching and consulting services as well. And as I said, I love Katie and I'm so excited she's here and I think you're going to love her too. So thank you so much, Katie. I'm excited. Let's start. I'm going to go straight in for it. Why do you think women struggle to get to senior levels? Oh, I know that's a million dollar question, right? (laughs) I do think it's a number of things. I always say that there's, there's, two main things that I see that hold women back. One is our own mindset. And and I'm not saying that to blame women at all. I'm saying that we, we receive all these messages growing up and throughout our lives that like the people at the table don't look like us, or, you know, you don't see CEOs who are balancing a baby on one hip and also running a company, right? There's just not enough visibility. And so I think a lot of us end up with limiting beliefs around do I really belong yeah you know at the table so that that's a big part of it because I always say like you can have the best idea in the world if you don't have the courage to raise your hand and share it doesn't matter yeah and then the second piece is a little more around like bias and perception right there is you know what I call a perception problem where sometimes through maybe the way men or women communicate or share ideas all sorts of things can be perceived as someone who's not ready for that next step. And I see a lot of both men and women getting stuck at that middle management level. I think for women, it's a little bit worse again, because there is often subconscious bias that just adds that extra layer on. So I think those two things together are really, you know, makes it a real challenge for women to get to those senior levels. And there's a statistic that you shared recently, and I'm sorry, people were pre-recording this. So it was a while ago on Katie Speed. But for every hundred men appointed, it's only 87 women that get appointed. Yeah. So this, this was a stat that I saw not too long ago and it was interesting. It's, you know, every 100 men that are promoted, there are 87 women promoted. And when I first saw that stat, I, I thought, I actually thought it was worse, but 
that's for every promotion. So if we think about how that compounds, just like the way compound interest adds up in a good way, this adds up in a bad way. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Where it continues. And this is why we see the gender gap widen as we go up in an organization. Because with each promotion, fewer and fewer women are making it to that next level. And I do want to mention that it is even worse for women of color. Yes, yes, yes. And those statistics can be quite scary. There's a book I read recently, um, When Women Lead, and I can't think of the author right now, but even it was talking about um, funding for startups and for every $100, it's like $1 goes to women of colour. I think it's what, maybe $1.50 or $2 goes to women in general. But, you know, it's it's extreme, the difference that makes as well. Oh, Oh, 100%. And there are, you know, more and more initiatives you see nowadays, there's women led angel networks. And there's, I know here in, I mean, I'm in Ottawa, Canada, there are programs um, around helping more women founders get funding. Yeah. But to your point, it is a real problem. That gap still persists. And just like the gender gap in senior leadership, we have known about this for a long time. There's enough awareness around it and yet it persists. Yes. And so this is the concerning thing to me, you know, whether we're talking about the pay gap or the gender gap in senior leadership, there's no shortage of awareness, but we're not seeing it close very quickly. It doesn't change. And I guess that brings me to my next question, because you touched on it earlier. Women and mindset is one of the biggest barriers. How do you support your clients to deal with imposter syndrome? Yeah, I mean, we get right into it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few so imposter syndrome specifically. This is a hot topic, right? In in recent yeah. years, everyone everyone talks about imposter syndrome. The key to me is reframing what imposter syndrome is. Yes, the feeling is an uncomfortable feeling. The yeah. feeling, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't belong in this role, or oh my gosh, these people are just like so much smarter than me. I'm out of my league. They're gonna find out. That's the feeling, right? Yeah. This is why it's called imposter syndrome. But the truth is that imposter syndrome, by definition, is something that affects high achievers, Yes. right? Yeah. And when we acknowledge that, it is a sign of growth. That discomfort is simply a sign that like, yeah, you're out of your comfort zone because you're growing a lot. You're learning a lot. Maybe you've been promoted a bunch recently. Yeah. You know, this is actually a, a good sign that you're doing the right stuff and you're on the right path. And so it's a lot of, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which I, I believe this both in mindset when it comes to business and in life, Yes, you know, I think a lot of us just get really comfortable and we're like, (laughs) I don't want to get in cold water. I don't want to exercise, whatever the thing is. Right. And, you know, as humans, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And so the thing I talk to my clients about is lean into that discomfort. Like, what is this telling me? And as soon as you really start to reframe this, yeah. Okay. Imposter syndrome actually means I'm super successful. Like I'm killing it. Yes. Yes. That is like the first step along that path. If you can really believe that and remind yourself of that, then that's like, you know, 80% of the battle. And that's, that's gold dust. Like if you can do that, that is absolute gold dust to your future as well. Cause I think a lot of people think, I've got to get rid of this imposter syndrome. You know, I've got to get, I've, I've got to overcome it. I've got to get rid of it. But you're so right. We just have to reframe it. We have to see it as our opportunity, as our success, as our way forward, as our growth. And that gives us. Yeah. 
one thing I say to people, it's like, I'm like, if you were working like a dead end job that you could do in your sleep, yeah, you would not feel any imposter syndrome. Yes. Is that what you want? <laughs> and you know, if it, inevitably everyone's like, no, that is not what I want. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to push myself. And so this is just, you know, sort of a necessary evil. This yeah. is a side effect of pushing outside your comfort zone. I love that, Katie. Absolutely gold dust. I love it. So in terms of women going for leadership roles, really putting themselves out there and saying, I am going to go and do this. You know, this is my 12-month plan. What are some of the common mistakes that you see them make? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I would say a common mistake that I see across the board would be waiting for the title to act like a leader. That is, that is definitely one. Um, oftentimes I say, you know, you want to show that you can take charge, you can be decisive, you can, you know, you can own things, you can operate at that next level, start to show that to people so that when it comes time to promote, it's just, you're, a, you're the no brainer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I also talk about, you know, timing in terms of communication. Sometimes people will wait until I always say like, don't wait till the merit increase meeting to ask for your raise it's been decided, yeah. right? So you want, if you're looking career pathwise, talk to your manager early mm-hmm. and often about it. Say, Hey, I want to throw my hat in the ring. This is the type of growth I want to do. What does that conversation look like? What is the, you know, um, this is the path that I'm looking at. What can I do to support my own development? So really taking accountability and ownership. Another mistake I do see is people expecting maybe their manager to create the path for them. And if you, if you're expecting that, you just might be disappointed, right? Like that may occasionally happen, but I'm always like, you don't want me to tell you what to do with your life. This is your career, right? So you need to make the decision and then ask for your manager's support, whether that be funding a program or helping you identify your gaps or whatever those things might be. You can partner with them, but don't ask them to create the path for you. And, and special projects and, you know, those opportunities are the ones that will really help you step up and they'll only become available to you if you express the interest as well. So that's really important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one question I get asked sometimes is, well, should I take on this extra work if I'm not being paid for it? Because I want to, I don't want to be undervalued, which absolutely, you know, <laughs> yeah. valid. But I always say, you know, think strategically about your career. Yeah. What, what bullet points do you want on your resume? What yeah. title do you want to be able to move into? Yeah. And if you're doing this strategically, what you're really doing is you're just deferring that money, right? You're going to get it. Yeah. And so if somebody, I, I will be so bold as to say, if you're offered a promotion without a raise, I think you should take it. Yeah. And now is that ideal? No, ideal. Ideally you get the raise that goes along with it. Um, but taking the promotion, even without the raise, now you're at that next level. And yeah. should you choose to move internally or externally, you're now, you've now level set yourself one up, which yeah. is never a bad thing. Yeah. And then you can command that salary that goes with it as well, of course. Absolutely. Exactly. You know, you shared something, I think it was last week, um, and it sort of ties into this. Women supporting women in the workplace. And sometimes we have to assume ignorance and not malice. Mm. Um, what do you see as some of the things, you know, sometimes if your boss is a female, she I've spoken to so many clients and, and friends where it is the 
a female boss who blocks us or gets in our way of our, of our career. What are your views around it? Oh, it's so tough. This, this is a thing that I've been asked about a lot, right? Like what if, you know, I, I'm not being supported by the women in my organization or my female boss. Um, generally speaking, I, we want to believe that when a woman gets to that next level, she's going to bring up, you know, her sisters, right? Yeah. yeah. Ideally she does. Yeah. But it's going to come down to the person. Some people are going to feel confident and, and, you know, secure in their role and they're going to want to bring up the people behind them. And ideally lots of women are like that. Some women are not going to be that person for whatever reason, maybe their own stuff that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And so there is that piece. There's also the piece in terms of assuming ignorance over malice, where we can just get in our own heads yeah. around I haven't been promoted. They haven't been inviting me to this meeting and you're making everything about you. You're making yeah. everything about things you're not getting. They didn't say hi to me when they walked by and you're creating all of this drama in your head that yeah. may not actually exist. Yes. Yeah. And this is why I say it's a great exercise to just assume ignorance over malice. It's very likely that person didn't see your email. They forgot to get back to you. They were busy that day, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. Typically speaking, people aren't out to get you. They're worried about their own stuff. They're yeah. not even thinking. <laughs> Sorry, true. So, yeah. Like reminding ourselves of this. It's just so freeing Yeah, to be able to be like, you know what? Yeah. That person wasn't great to me this morning. This happens to me all the, whether it's in business or in life, right? Yeah, yeah. The barista wasn't friendly to you. Maybe she broke up with her boyfriend that morning. We don't yeah. know. So I always try to imagine scenarios that could be happening in these people's lives yeah. where it probably has nothing to do with me. <laughs> be a little mini storyteller about other people's lives <laughs> about your day. <laughs> I do. Sometimes I do that, especially if somebody is like particularly you know, unkind or abrasive. I'm like, okay, what could have happened with them? Like, you know what? Someone scratched their car. <laughs> their dog ran. I don't know, right? There could be all kinds of things going on that we are not aware of. But it's so true because a lot of what you've shared already is it's us getting caught in our own heads and and making stuff up in our own heads and not looking at the actual facts and the, and the reality of what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's so true. And, and like, you know, I say this, I talk a lot about mindset, both with my one-on-one clients and my group program and online. And um, I do want to acknowledge that there is clearly bias that exists. We yes. know that. Yes. Generally speaking, it is subconscious. Yeah. Right. I, most of the men that I have met, and I've worked with lots of great male executives, this is not intentional. It's, it's, it's very, very rare. You're going to find a case where somebody is intentionally trying to, you know, keep women down or, or not have a diverse leadership team. The, The key to me there is spreading this awareness so that more people can be aware of their own subconscious bias, right? It's like, if you can be open, so we need to be open to recognize that it might not be about us. And that sometimes you're going to take the the less ideal promotion path because you know you want to get there. Yeah. Because we're after the bigger goal, right? Like, so yeah. so us recognizing that, but on the flip side, folks in leadership, men and women, being willing 
to acknowledge that, hey, there may, there may be some bias yeah. that, that I have that I'm not even aware of. And so how can I look at things? How can I ensure yes. that I'm being as open as possible and as, as inclusive as possible? Yeah. So that it's a challenge for both sides. Yeah, yeah, All right. I completely agree. Which brings me to my next question for you. And it, it's going to be a little bit loaded. What do you see as the future for women in leadership? What are the trends that you're seeing? I mean, we are seeing a trend. We are seeing more women get to leadership. That is happening. It is way slower than I want it to be. And I think that all of us, you know, we think about things like, you know, the gender pay gap and, or the gender gap and talking about, it's going to take over a hundred years for that to close. Right. Which is kind of bull stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but I am seeing a trend of that. I am seeing more women going to entrepreneurship. Yes which I think is really exciting. And I, and I'm seeing this, this, you know, buzzy sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, field or whatever market mm. of, of powerful women entrepreneurs who yeah. are very pro let's get more money in the hands of women. Let's lift more women up. Let's, you know, be unapologetically ambitious, all of these things. I think that's yeah. all really positive as well. Um, but on the, on, and I would say on the less optimistic side, unfortunately, we're also seeing a trend of women exiting. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and, And like on their own accord, which I think has a lot to do with probably it's, it started in the pandemic. Yeah. And it has continued. And it, I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, this this like invisible workload that we have in terms of caring for children and being the default parent and then also trying to do everything at work and, and this whole scenario where we're burning out, right? Yeah. We're burning out and saying like, is this really worth it? Like, yeah. okay, I'm a director now. I'm already exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Do I even want to be a VP? Like I hear this all the time yeah. and it's, it's unfortunate because not only do we now have, you know, we have fewer women in leadership, but we're losing women from the pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. The and that's yeah, voluntarily. Big problem. And what yeah. about, you know, the pandemic, you raised that, you know, it changed the way women think about work. And I think as a result, globally, remote work, hybrid work is more of an option. And statistically women are opting into this more than men are because it makes managing that load easier are we putting a new glass ceiling in place by doing that though because we're not visible in the workplace we're not being seen in the same way we're not potentially Mm -hmm. around the the water cooler having the conversations yeah it's true I mean I believe in providing flexible work arrangements however myself if I was trying to move to that next level, you better believe I'd be going to the office. Maybe not every single day, but yep. certainly opportunistically. Yeah. Hey, is this, you know, is a CEO in town or is something happening? I was always a fan. I I I, I agree with you, right? Like there are powerful conversations that happen outside of meetings. And I've even noticed this on my entrepreneurial journey, right? Where I can join things and I can join programs, but when I go spend three days with people. Yes. That's where the magic happens. And it's it's no different yes. with trying to get the leadership, right? Yes. Spending that quality time, creating connection. Connection is one of the the C's for of executive presence. Yes. Creating that connection, so important. So, you know, if it were me, 
certainly I would take advantage of the flexible work arrangements for when I needed them. But I think too many people got really comfortable with like, oh, I don't have to put on pants. Oh, I don't have to (laughs) ever leave the house, you know? And I I do agree with you. I think that that we can do ourselves a disservice by doing that because showing up and spending quality time with people, no matter what, is always going to be valuable. Yeah, yeah. So if we're looking at the trends that you're seeing with, you know, people are getting to senior levels and they're saying, actually, this is too too much. I, you know, I need a better balance and they're opting out voluntarily. Potentially this remote hybrid work is putting, you know, more barriers in place than what we foresee. What advice do you have for women? Yes, show up. But what advice can, do you have for women in terms of being able to manage that balance, being able to take control of their time and energy? Yeah, One of the things I remember reading in Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, back in the day, that was like one of the first really powerful books I read, you know, in this area, um, was Choose Your Partner Wisely. And I I could not agree more, right? Um, I'm really, I'm so fortunate. I have a very supportive partner. He does not mind being Mr. Mom on on lots of days and prepping dinner and doing whatever, because in this season of our lives... I am building a business and he's enjoying the fruits of his labor a little bit more, right? Like this is just where we are. Um, And I do think that's really important to have those open, honest conversations with your partner. Like as, as women, we tend to think we have to be the default parent, but do we? And this was a, a conversation I had with my partner where I was like, listen, I'm like, I can't handle this, right? I also have ADHD, which like adds to the, adds to the mix. Um, but I'm like doctor's appointments and teacher gifts and sign up for school stuff and this and this and this. And I'm like, it's making me go crazy. And so you got to ask yourself, like, you know, if I want to do the big career thing, how, how are these other things getting managed? And there's lots of things you can do. You can have a partner who's doing them. You can outsource things, Yes. but let's be honest. I think to me, the option of I'm going to be superwoman who's going to do everything for everyone all the time and have nothing left for myself. I mean, I did that for a little while, especially when I was a single mom. Um, it doesn't work. Yeah. It burns you out. And and then you're, you know, then you're not doing anything for anyone. Yeah. So, you know, I think as women, we almost need to be a bit unapologetic about what is, what is it I want in my life? What is yeah. the vision for my life? Whether that includes career, family, self-care, connecting with friends, doing some yoga, right? Whatever that thing is, but like get clear on what that is and then work with the people in your life to see like, how do I make this happen? Because one of the things I noticed was, you know, I would, I would get up in the morning. I'd want to work out, but I'd feel so guilty because I want to be with the kids and I want to make sure I'm doing this and whatever. But when my partner got up, if he wanted to work out, he would just work out. Like there was, (laughs) right? And so I'm like, why am I the one carrying all of this and this is self-imposed he's not he's not making no one's making me feel guilty like yeah the kids care yeah yeah <laughs> eating cheerios right. watching a show you know he has not put this guilt on me it's totally self-imposed and so I think we need to challenge ourselves a little bit on that yeah how much of this am I creating for myself and and again like I'm big on creating the vision for your life yes. and your career I you know I do this a lot Um, but getting really clear on what that looks and like specific, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Yep. And then how am I going to make it happen for myself? Yep. I love that. I love that. So we've talked a lot about, 
you know, managing your mindset and I guess making clear choices and being deliberate and, and knowing what you want, whether it's in your life or your career. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be today? The big piece of advice to me would be creating intention in your life around what it is you truly want. Yeah. And I'll share a little more, like with my journey for many years, I just had this idea in my head that I wanted to be a VP. I wanted to be a VP and I'm not going to lie. I don't think I stopped very long to think about why did I want to be a VP? What did that mean to me? What was that going to look like? I was just so achievement driven that I knew I wanted this fancy title and the money that went along with it and what that said about me as a successful person. And then when I finally became a VP, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed being an executive. I, I almost think I just expected some magical thing to happen though. And, and then I moved into an EVP role and same thing. I was like, okay, this is it. And I, I actually, you know, I actually went through a phase where I was feeling pretty lost and burnt out and, and questioning, like, what is it that I want with my life? Yeah. And so this is why I talk to people when people say to me, okay, I want to be a VP or I want to be a, a CEO. Yeah. I always ask them why, Yes. what is it that you want with that? Because sometimes, sometimes people want impact. Sometimes people, there's all sorts of things that people may want. And sometimes that C level or VP level title truly is aligned yeah. with them. But for me, by the time I got there, I was no longer really aligned with it. Yeah. Right. And so I ended up leaving. And when you're leaving a role at that level, it's very scary. It's yeah. scary to lose that income or lose that security. And so I always say to people like the best thing you can do in your career and life is to create that intention, right? Create the vision. Yeah. What is it that I want? And then how am I going to make it happen for myself? And it can be a big vision, right? It doesn't have to, you don't have to play small. It can be as big as you want it to be, yeah. but ensure that it's actually aligned with you as a person Yeah. so that once you get it, <laughs> you're happy with where you end up. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that is just such a beautiful way to wrap it up because if you're not clear about what you want, then what's it all for? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Katie, you have got a really cool masterclass coming up in a couple of weeks' time, and it's available to our listeners to join. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the masterclass? Yes, yes. I was, I'm so excited about this. Um, I did this masterclass uh, live in the summer, and there was a huge response, and I was floored by it. Um, but the reason I put this together was because what I noticed was that a lot of the women who were, let's say, managers or senior managers or even directors trying to get to that next level had no idea what was holding them back, yeah. right? They were like, I've been in this role, I'm not getting promoted, or I want to fast track my way to that next level, but I don't know, you know, why I haven't received an opportunity yet. Yeah. And so when I really thought about it, I was like, you know what, there's only really a few things that could be holding these people back that I see again and again. Yeah. And so I created this masterclass to help women see, okay, these are the things that I see that hold women back from a seat at the table. And this is how you can identify what's holding you back. So it's a free masterclass. Anyone can join. I do introduce my group program at the end of it because that's the accelerator where, Hey, yeah. now you might know what's holding you back and what you want to do about it. If you want the support and help 
to get to that next level. You can continue with me, but there was no obligation to do that. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to put something out there that would help more women just gain that awareness into what's holding me back today. So I can really work on that intentionally and get to the next level. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you. That link for the masterclass is going to be in the show notes. So I encourage you to join up. I've already spoken to a couple of people and shared it in advance. So I think it's going to be really, really cool. So thank you so much, Katie. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your tips and your insights with us, because I think it's really, really powerful for everyone. Um, all women. Uh -huh. You know what? Thank you for having me. I'm always thrilled to talk about these things. It's like I could talk about this stuff all day. So thanks again for having me as a guest.